Welcome back to Tivating Patiently, the appreciation podcast that highlights, dives deeper, and celebrates the work and accomplishments of our Tony-winning national treasure, Aaron Tivate. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and today's episode is going to focus on company. Six years ago, Aaron was in the middle of playing Bobby at Barrington Stage's production of Company, and personally, I've never seen the show, like any variation of it, but based on rehearsal footage, interviews I've watched and listened to, show audios I've heard, and of course, Aaron's performances of the songs throughout the years, if a musical theater time machine existed, I'd set it to go back to 2017 to watch Aaron portray Bobby. Aaron has spoken about his time in company many times over the years, but one of my favorite times is on the Billboard on Broadway podcast in 2017. And early on in the conversation, it is brought to Aaron's attention that at the time, remember this interview conversation took place in 2017, that up until this point in his career, each of the shows he had been a part of had had living composers and contemporary pop scores. And Aaron's really surprised when he realizes the truth behind that, and he goes on to talk about the collaboration that's been able to take place between him and these composers during the shows. Looking at your Broadway and beyond Broadway career, it really struck Mm -hmm. me that you've been able to pretty much do all shows with living composers, um, with contemporary, like very sort of pop-infused scores that have given you the freedom to kind of sing in that way too. And that seems like a really rare career path to me. Is that something that's occurred to you, or that? Wow, you, you know what? That's <laughs> actually that's actually not occurred to me until this exact moment. And you're absolutely right. That is very, that's very very interesting. I never even thought about that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been, um, you know, I I. I I grew up as a classical singer. I mean, I started kind of singing classically and uh, went to school as a music major for a year where I just studied classic voice. But, you know, so it's very interesting that then, you know, after only being a music major about two years before I did the national tour of Rent, it's like kind of a big jump, different, yeah. you know, different type of music. But, you know, but I'm kind of convinced that, you know, classical music is very much, at, classical music to singing is very much ballet to dance. I mean, it's kind of a great foundation. And I think it was, it gave me the opportunity to kind of learn how to use my voice correctly. And, you know, since I've been doing, and then since I've been doing a lot of pop music, which is very, you know, very funny, but uh, it's also been, I've been lucky because it's been very collaborative as opposed to a lot of revivals. I mean, I absolutely love Rodgers and Hammerstein and Rodgers and Hart. And I mean, you know, these, these amazing, you know, they're classics for a reason, these, you know, these shows in the canon of musical theater. But the nice thing about working with composers that are around is that <laughs> they, you kind of get to have your own influence and change keys to fit you. And they, you know, as, as a new musical is being shaped, the songs are written and changed to fit your voice once they learn your voice and hear your voice. And so that's really, I think, been a huge luxury for me is that, you know, I've, I've been able to kind of have the music around me shaped by people in the room with me. Aaron has talked in other interviews that were for Moulin Rouge about how he sings in that higher key, which always requires adjustments. So I'm sure that definitely had to be an advantage for him to be able to have that collaboration component to make the music work for him and his voice while maintaining the integrity of the work. And Aaron went on to share that he used to have a very nervous view of Sondheim work and 
that he believed that it was sacred and not to be messed with unless you were really ready to fully commit and sing everything correctly the way that it was written and meant to be sung. But even companies specifically, I mean, this show, I think the workshop started in the late 60s and it premiered in the early 70s. And it is like even today, it's a progressive show and progressive score. So I can't imagine how it was received in the 70s. I know, you know, it was received well, but I I think it kind of built, I think originally audiences probably didn't know what to do with it because it's, it is such a, it's a, it's a very, very modern musical that just happened to have premiered in like, you know, the early 70s. It's, Mm -hmm. it's remarkable. No, you can certainly say the same same thing of Assassins. Um. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I listened to a Q&A between the audience, the music director, and a few of the company actors from Barrington Stage, and going along with what Aaron said, one of the audience members said that night that even though the script was written in the 70s, the depiction of marriage is still so relevant. Like Each of the relationships in the show show both the good and the bad at marriage, and that's something that Bobby takes in and he works through as the show progresses. And Aaron has expressed that he felt that company came into his life at the right time. When he played Bobby, he was 33 going on 34, and in company, Bobby is celebrating his 35th birthday. So Aaron could relate to the age and where Bobby was in his life with all of his friends, all getting married, and him still being single. He talked about the timing and how Bobby was a milestone role for him on the billboards on Broadway podcast. Seems like, I mean, I guess you just happen to have done Assassins and Company two in a row, but was was that like a moment of transition for you of like, okay, I'm ready for these roles now because, or? You know, I was really lucky that I based, I worked in theater for, I mean, from pretty much straight through from 2004 um, through when Catch Me the Can closed in 2011. So, I mean, that was uh, an amazing run of kind of straight through but I, I was playing kids essentially i was playing mm-hmm. you know 18 19 20 20 year old kids and uh i was very you know then then very lucky that the last five years basically i've been doing tv and film you know with grease mixed in and assassins mixed in but mm-hmm. i think that the timing of that is was just wonderfully perfect for me because i was able to kind of go away and get a little older <laughs> while, while, but while still doing this amazing different work, but at the same time now kind of coming back to it, I'm, I'm finally old enough to then start looking at the next group of roles in musical theater and, and theater. So, you know, I think that the timing of that just worked out, you know, it was like, it was just amazing timing for me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, playing Bobby, especially, I feel like it's yeah. just a milestone for for an actor uh, that yeah. I think you really do have to feel like you're in the right point of your life to even relate to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's his 35th birthday. I'm, I turned 34 in two months. So I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a year, you know, a year behind. But at the same time, you know, it's ve- it's very close to me because mm-hmm. I'm still very close with all the guys that I grew up with and they're now all married. They all have kids. And I mean, that's really, that's still very much my social structure, the people that I grew up with. And so that it's, it's very, very, (laughs) there's a lot of things that in the, in the play, I'm like, Whoa, this is crazy because it's so very much, you know, what I've been going through around my friends. Along with Bobby being a milestone role, he was also an iconic role to play. 
and he has been played many times before and it's he's such a powerful character so at the q a between the cast and the director and the audience like and even in an interview with paul wantorek on opening night of company aaron was asked about how he prepared for the role and i just loved aaron's response of course so here it is I was lucky that I had only seen one production of Company, um, and it was the 2007 revival. And that was kind of stripped down where the actors played all the music, so it wasn't actually a Probably. traditional production of the show. So actually, besides, besides knowing a few of the songs, I didn't have a lot of personal ties to a production or <coughs> idea of the material. So that's kind of what I try to do with every script. And, I've been very lucky to play a lot of parts that have had, you know, a bit of that kind of iconic thing. And I kind of go, I try to go at it completely new and just look exactly what's on the page and try to make my own decisions and not, and basically don't pay any attention to the stuff before, um, most of the time. Um, but that's, that's, that's definitely what I did here. Just the way Aaron talks about the importance of ignoring what was done before and focusing on what is right in front of him, right there in the moment, he makes it sound so easy. And even more than that, he just makes it look easy. And I mean, we know it's not. We know his work ethic is out of this world. He is not human. But it makes sense that you don't want to do what someone else has done like exactly because then it's not authentic so of course use what's been done in the past as a guide but then add your own spin and touches to the role which Aaron of course does beautifully in everything he does so like I said earlier having never seen any version of company before listening to the Q&A between the actors the director and the audience it really was an education for me and in the Q&A, the director, Julianne Boyd, she talked about Sondheim being strict with his scripts and what's done with them. So they wanted to stay true to the words on the page while also knowing that Sondheim's work lends itself to being relatable to its audiences. And audiences have a tendency to put themselves into the situations that they see being depicted on stage. And the approach that they took to company for Barrington stage was to play it out like each of the scenes are happening in Bobby's head and he's reacting to them. So the show starts on his 35th birthday and Bobby sits down and he puts his head in his hands and it's like he's going back and remembering these interactions and these moments with his friends. You know, it's written in episodes, you know, it's written in scenes, and each of this is a couple of a song, a couple of a song, and so forth. You know, it's really interesting. I think the, the, the hardest part, or the part that, that Aaron and I worked on the most was just, you know, this play takes place in his head. The musical takes place in his head, basically. You know, when he, he comes in at the beginning, it's his 35th birthday, he puts his head down, and he hears the voices, there are voices in his head, and he sort of is recreating all of these scenes. And so that was interesting, seeing, making sure that Bobby was watching each scene that he had conjured up, and seeing him react to that scene, and seeing what he learned from each scene. Um, and that I thought was like really interesting. It was, a, it was wonderful investigating that with Aaron. And uh, whether you got it or not, it's okay. But by the end, when he sits in the same place he did at the beginning, puts his head down, sort of recreating a moment at the top of the show. But this time he says stop 
He's ready to deal with it, having seen all of these different relationships all at once. Uh, and I think probably over a course of two hours, because at the end, the, uh, I guess at the party, we've been here two hours. So I'm guessing that's how long it, that the recreation of those scenes happened in his head. Lots of levels in the show, lots of levels. So Bobby has a scene with his various couples of friends in his group, different friend group. And within each scene, there's a dialogue and a marriage situation playing out, and then there's a song. And when it gets to Amy's song, she, her character, she's about to get married. And as soon as her monologue song started, I was like, oh my god, this is where Jane Krakowski's Chicago dialogue from the courtroom comes from. Do you remember that? It, it's so fast. And just like Aaron asked, quote, Jane, how did you do that after trying to get through her monologue as part of Chicago Press? An audience member asked Lauren Marcus, who played Amy and company, how did she do it? Like, it was wild. It's so fast to hear it on the audio, like how she's going through it. it. Actors are insane. They're so talented. But another reference that played out in Chicago is the company character, Joanne, and her line of, I'll drink to that. The line plays a role in Joanne's song of the show where she's breaking down her experiences and thoughts to Bobby. But sticking with Joanne for a little bit, Another question from the audience Q&A for Aaron asked which moment or moments in the show were most impactful for Bobby's development to get him to the point of singing Being Alive where he blows out the candles and makes a wish. And both Julianne Boyd and Aaron responded to this, but the audio for it, it's not the best to play on here, so I'm going to do my best to summarize it. Aaron starts, starts his response by saying that he doesn't feel that he has to necessarily, quote, get there, that it's just a combination of Bobby going through all the scenes with his friends throughout the night, and the final scene with Joanne, it's like the launch pad into being alive. And Julianne says that she believes that the scenes with his friend Peter and the scene with Joanne, like two of these scenes happen at the end of of, toward the end of the play and the show and these were two that pushed Bobby the most because it's in these scenes or these episodes where Bobby realizes that those relationships they're not what he necessarily thought they were so like in his scene with Peter Peter asks Bobby if he's gay or if he's ever thought about it and Bobby says no and he remains casual in the conversation but his tone changes and like we know Aaron, so we know like with that tone change comes that facial expression change, so you could just kind of picture it happening in that moment. And then with Joanne, she ends up suggesting to Bobby that they should get together. And she like hits on him, and it's apparent to Bobby that he's never thought of his relationship with Joanne in that way, nor did he want a relationship with Joanne in that way. And he actually gets angry with her in the scene while she's fighting with her husband and she tells Bobby not to ever get married and she asks him why should he want to and he responds kind of indignantly I don't know for company like everyone else and then a little later in this conversation this scene Joanne asks Bobby quote when are we gonna make it and she's proposing an affair to Bobby and says she'll take care of him. So it's kind of like these two big realizations happened for him where he's been trying to figure things out throughout the show and 
those two moments, first with Peter and then the conversation with Joanne, they're just, in a way, they're moments of clarity for him for what maybe he actually does want or at least knowing what he doesn't. And it's after that conversation, that episode scene with Joanne, that the show seems to go back to how it started with everyone calling him on his birthday, all the Bobby, Bobby baby, Robert darlings, yet this time Bobby puts up his hands and he shouts, stop. And cue the finale, being alive. Buckle up. What do you get? Someone told you too close. Someone to hurt you too deep. Someone to sit in your chair to ruin your sleep. That's true, but there's more than that. Is that all you think there is to it? You got so many reasons for not being with someone, but Robert, you haven't got one good reason for being alone. Come on, you're on to something, Bobby. You're on to something. Someone to need you too much. Someone to know you too well. Someone to pull you up short, to put you through hell. See what you look for, you know? You're not a kid anymore, Robbie. I don't think you'll ever be a kid again, kiddo. Hey, buddy. Don't be afraid it won't be perfect. (laughs) The only thing to be afraid of, really, is that it won't be. Don't stop now. Keep going. Someone you have to let in. Someone whose feelings you spare. Someone, like it or not, will want you to share a little, a lot. And what does all that mean? Robin, how do you know so much about him? You've never been there. It's all much better living it than looking at it, Robert. Add him up, Bobby. Add him up. Someone to crowd you with love. Someone to force you to care. Someone to make you come through always be there as frightened as you of being alive being alive being alive being alive blow out your candles Robert and make a wish want something Put me through hell 
the emotions that that song can conjure up and how the emotions can be different every time you hear it. And Aaron has always said that about the song when he used to listen to it, to when he performed it in the show, to even now when he performs it at concerts. And for us as audience members to now know how the song is deeply rooted in his memory of his grandmother who passed during his company run, it just adds to the song's power and it sheds so much light onto the emotion that Aaron portrays when he performs it. It was an interesting experience listening to the audio of Company and my mind was just trying to place the characters with the pictures seen online and the rehearsal footage from Barrington stage and the cast Q&A, like I've, I've said, it was so helpful in filling in the gaps for the structure of the show. Like in just listening to it without context, it jumps from scene to scene, new characters and new songs, they're not necessarily connected or like don't like build on each other. You know, like they think like Moulin Rouge scene builds from next to next. These are kind of separated like those episodes that Julianne Boyd described. So hearing her say that and that it was intentional because the show was written in the episodes and Aaron, he just played it out as if it's in his head that just makes the structure make so much more sense. And Company, it really does seem to be a show that allows you the opportunity to take something different from it each time, depending on the season you're in in your life. Like Aaron, he was younger than Bobby when he played him. Now he's almost five years older. I wonder what would be different about his portrayal now. What, like, what would his take be? be like? Would he approach Bobby any differently at all, like based on just things that have happened since he turned 35 and now he's almost 40? So many questions. Maybe one day they'll get the chance to be asked and answered. But thank you so much for listening today and continuing to support this podcast. And if you're looking for more Aaron content, follow me on Instagram at tivating underscore patiently and on TikTok at Tivating Patiently, and I hope to have you back here for episode 57.
I will 